The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. Today is going to be pure fun, especially if you're a sports fan like I am. We're talking with the Green Sports Alliance, and we are going to be talking about a report that just came out. But just so you guys know, and I'd love for you all to open a new tab in your web browser and check out their webpage at greensportsalliance.org. They're doing all kinds of things to help professional teams across the NBA, the Major League Baseball, uh, NHL, and so many others green their operations and they cover so many different topics uh, from green cleaning to you know green energy but today we're going to focus specifically on a report that just came out that's called champions of game day food and we're going to talk about some of the things that some of these large venues and and their teams are doing to make their food systems more sustainable. Our guests today are Dr. Alan Hershkowitz. He's the co-founder and president of the Green Sports Alliance. And Gabriel Krenza, who is not only the Natural Resources Defense Council strategic food advisor, he's also the senior food policy advisor for the Green Sports Alliance. And I'm so thrilled to have them on. Uh, Dr. Hershkowitz, I'd like to start with you. Uh, first of all, welcome to Go Green Radio. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Um, Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for everything you do. It's my pleasure. Well, I'd like to begin by having you tell our listeners a little bit about how the Green Sports Alliance came into being and who is involved. Sure. Um, the Green Sports Alliance was launched in March of 2011 with six professional sports teams from six leagues. It now encompasses, it now has more than 300 members of teams uh, and venues from 14 countries in 20 leagues. Uh, the Green Sports Alliance is now an international coalition of sports leagues, sports federations, sports teams, sports venues, dedicated to using uh, environmental, uh, using the, the platform, the visibility of sports, the cultural and market influence of sports, to change the marketplace, to encourage environmentally better products into the marketplace, and to educate literally hundreds of millions of fans. As you may know, uh, only 16% of Americans follow science, but 71%, 71% follow sports. So the question is, if you want to get the message out, how do you do it in a way that uh, reaches a lot of people? And also, how do you do it in a non-political way? You know, unfortunately, so much of the, uh, the science, so much about uh, ecological science is often... Uh, relegated to political debates and you know science is not just another political opinion uh... and as we all know you know we're facing urgent ecological issues and how do, how do you get 
to people about these issues. Uh, when I, I, I worked at the Natural Resources Defense Council, I was senior scientist there for 26 years. And um, in the course of my work there, we always struggled with how do we get the message out? How do we reach the masses? Uh, how do we reach non-traditional allies? How do we reach folks in Alabama and Texas and Missouri and Kansas? You know, not just Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, um, you know, and, and other places where, you know, you might expect more environmental uh, focus. And the answer was sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, um, you know, some you know, we now all professional sports leagues: Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League, Major League Soccer, uh, the the NBA, uh, the U.S. Tennis Association, even NASCAR. All of these organizations now have greening programs. Greening is the process of reviewing your operations and reviewing your procurement with an eye towards reducing environmental impacts. And uh, as a result of our work with the Green Sports Alliance, um, now we've got 21 uh, professional venues that are LEED certified, uh, LEED uh, building certified from the U.S. Green Buildings Council. We've got over 20 venues that have on-site renewable solar. Uh, composting programs are proliferating. Recycling programs are almost universal now. Uh, and as we're talking about today, healthy food. Uh, you know, more and more Americans are concerned about uh, the kind of food that their children eat in general and certainly at sporting events. Uh, and sports feeds tens of millions of people a month mm-hmm. uh, at games. So if we could get the sports industry to incorporate healthier food, uh, food that's low in, uh, that's not relying on antibiotics in its production, that's local, that's organic, even vegetarian options, um, we could really uh, make an impact on uh, the health of Americans. And remember, the food production system right now is, is quite impactful on the environment. In fact, if the food industry was a country, it would be the third largest generator of global warming pollution. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, so the Industrial uh, Revolution in food over the 20th century, which is, of course, you know, led to great productivity increases, has also resulted in many adverse ecological impacts. So the Green Sports Alliance um, is uh, working. You know, we, we work with the World Series and the Super Bowl and, and the U.S. Open Tennis Championships, jewel events to get the message out, and, um, and, you know, and teams uh, on the ground. We focus on operations. We focus on supply chain, and we focus on educating hundreds of millions of fans. I love it. That's so exciting. What what a fun job you have, Alan. That's that's fantastic. Gabriel, let's shift to you. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Welcome to Go Green Radio. Um, let's talk about some of the ways that food is changing at sports venue. I mean, I. When I was a kid, I remember you had about four choices at the ballpark. You could have greasy, you could have salty, sugary, or all of the above. <laughs> so give us some specific examples of teams or stadiums that are changing their menus for the better. Of course, of course, Jill. And it's a, it really is a pleasure to join you today. Thanks so much for having uh, myself and Alan on. Um, to your point, there really is uh, kind of an endless uh, growth in menu options for the better Teams are really embracing that that local fan pride uh, that mm-hmm. we know so well, and you know you and and your father and grandfather may have been fans of of a team and really do follow that that local thread. And teams are picking up on that and and finding ways to tie that to to agriculture productive systems. Uh, we have 
20 teams featured in this report from across the country, and and throughout you have you have teams that are starting their own on-site gardens, and then also partnering uh, with farms in their in their bioregion to support kind of local flavors, and and that's a real tie-in as well, where teams are now seeing uh, fan responsiveness in their in their the variety of dishes. So, for example, you have uh, marine marine stewardship certified uh, clam chowder at Fenway Park, and mm-hmm. you'll see uh, you'll see the Dallas Cowboys now have uh, a commitment to to serving better beef um, throughout the stadium because because Texas is is such a, a strong beef producing state in the country, and and then even uh, up in the Northwest, you know, the Portland Trailblazers now have a a vibrant uh, kind of food service uh, program where they're bringing in local businesses uh, that that fans know so well, appreciate, and enjoy uh, in serving serving there. So really uh, kind of across the board, tuning into what what fans really see as a extension of their their team's local kind of that that pride that uh, what they enjoy so much about um, where they're from and the team they support. Their team is now um, supporting local businesses and farmers and, and producers, uh, and it really is becoming a, a full circle. That is really cool, and that's a great angle, too. You know, the local team pride, the geographic you know, bond that everybody has around their team, that, that's a really great hook. You know, Alan, there are hundreds of suppliers involved in the food systems for professional sports teams, and I just can't even imagine how you cracked this nut, but how in the world were you able to convince teams to disrupt their food supply chain in order to make some of these changes? Well, you know, what's real interesting is, you know, uh, what we learned in producing this report, and by the way, your listeners could uh, get a copy of this report. If they go to the Green Sports Alliance website, greensportsalliance.org, uh, they will see banner ads for um, uh, Champions of Game Day Food, which is what this report is called, uh, and they could download it for free, uh, and it's a wonderful read. Um, you know, uh, what we learned in producing this report is that the major concessionaires are extraordinarily attentive to what consumers are interested in. In fact, uh, you mentioned Aramark or Levy or Delaware North or Santa Plate or Legends, uh, some of the great uh, food concessionaires at sports venues. They produce um, every month and sometimes twice a month information sheets with, uh, for their chefs at the venues indicating the latest uh, information about consumer preferences on food. They don't have a, a, a political bias towards serving one kind of food or another. Uh, it's just what is the market demanding and also what can the market provide at the lowest price. Unfortunately, so many uh, ecologically ignorant products are subsidized uh, in the marketplace. Uh, and they benefit from uh, whether it's you know all kinds of subsidies that make it harder to uh, compete with ecologically preferable products. So very often, uh, not very often, but more often than we like, uh, environmentally preferable products can cost more um, because the market is biased, you know, uh, uh, economically 
towards you know uh, industrial agriculture, industrial livestock produce production, uh, you know uh, animal management that is more like a factory than it is you know a healthy food system. Uh, but the, the the concessionaires are open to change, and we have you know because you know we're we're non political. Green Sports Alliance doesn't engage in, in political lobbying or political advocacy. We're a market based. Uh, 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 organization documenting better practices. Uh, we have great relationships with the concessionaires. They trust us. Uh, they come to our events. They speak at our events. They're very interested in getting a handle on how to do things in a way that uh, satisfies consumer demand. And increasingly, parents don't want to serve their kids uh, produce that's saturated with chemicals. Uh, increasingly, uh, there's a recognition by the venues that they want to support their local economy, local farmers. I was just at Yankee Stadium this week, actually, uh, talking about um, supplying the Yankees with produce and beer coming from the Catskill region. The Catskill region uh, is a, a rural region, a beautiful wilderness area um, uh, in upstate New York uh, that's economically challenged where there's a lot of farms, and the, and the Yankees are interested in uh, supporting those farmers by buying their produce and using it at the stadium. You know, uh, the sports teams are very visible. Uh, they're very interested in being good citizens. Uh, and, of course, the issue of antibiotics. Um, more and more, you know, the FDA, the Center for Disease Control, the courts have all determined that antibiotics uh, use, uh, which is almost a daily activity at industrial livestock uh, operations, sure. is, uh, is adverse to our health. And parents don't want to take their kids to venues uh, to perpetuate, you know, that kind of uh, uh, product uh, and feed it to their kids. Uh, and of course, it hurts farm workers, and uh, and there's all you know the farm worker issue and the animal uh, management issues. These are increasingly uh, uh, visible to the consumer, and the concessionaires want to be responsive to to what consumer changing uh, patterns are. That's terrific. Um, I'm glad to hear that. You know, that's something that those of us who just visit the stadiums would have no idea, you know, what's happening behind the scenes. But it's so great to hear that the, con- the concessionaires are on board. We've got to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we have so much more to talk about uh, with our representatives from the Green Sports Alliance. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Up Close with Chris Tinney is now on Voice America Variety. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. 
Chris brings you the thought leaders, activists, and socially responsible entrepreneurs taking action for the environment, doing business in a new way, and helping the underprivileged. Call in or listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and learn how the small decisions you make today have a big impact on our small planet in the future. Tune in to Up Close with Chris Tinney on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. In case you've just tuned in, let me catch you up. Our topic today is the fact that U.S. pro sports are shifting to more sustainable game day food. We're talking with the Green Sports Alliance, and they've just released a report called Champions of Game Day Food. And it features 20 different pro sport venues spanning North America that are serving healthier food choices and adopting more sustainable food practices behind the scenes. And I'm really excited to talk about this. Um, Gabriel Krenza is one of the um, senior food policy advisors to the Green Sports Alliance. And Gabriel, in the report, it talks about how some of the teams are donating unsold food to help alleviate hunger in their area. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about how that works. Yeah, absolutely, Jill. And I just, I also wanted to mention that within the report, we really take a a full life cycle approach of uh, greener game day food operations you know, starting with the the menu design um, and how how teams are are planning their menus and uh, what's going in uh, seasonally speaking to um, you know kind of which then shifts and shapes their uh, their strategic procurement how they bring food in right and then how it's prepared uh, what it's served on the serviceware and then eventually uh, where the waste goes and and you know, we've been working the Green Sports Alliance. Um, has a really wonderful relationship with the gentleman, Sid Mendelbaum, of uh, Rock and Wrap It Up, which has uh, been around since 1994. Rock and Wrap It Up is a program that uh, focuses on uh, working with professional sports teams. There's over 75 franchises from NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and National Hockey League that work with, uh, with Sid and Rock and Wrap It Up, where they take all the food that is... Um, prepared during during a game, but uh, doesn't leave the kitchen is unsold, and they connect them with uh, local food kitchens or homeless shelters after the game, and it and it really not only does it provide uh, food for for folks that otherwise would be looking for it elsewhere, but it also uh, it helps teams with their with their hauling fees, with uh, reduces their their need to their their overall waste, right? It, it's a mm-hmm. it's a great it's a great program in terms of um, kind of the the diversion of uh, food waste to to landfill. Um, so, anyways, that's that's one way. There's also a lot of education that these concessionaires that um, that my colleague Alan mentioned, and 
um, Delaware North and Center Plate and uh, Levy's and Aramark Legends. They all have a, a really robust education program for their uh, for their chefs and within their kitchens um, in terms of how to reduce food scraps and um, building um, you know kind of different dishes that utilize uh, as many different parts of uh, you know, the the produce and um, proteins that are going into dishes to to reduce uh, food scrap waste in kitchens as well. So those are two ways that, um, you know, kind of back of house and front of house uh, teams are doing great work in terms of reducing their waste. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think that's so fantastic. Um, Alan, you know, there are a lot of people, a lot of organizations spending a lot of time and a lot of money lobbying the government to regulate our food supply to produce a healthier outcome. But in your introduction to the report, Champions of Game Day Food, you write the following. Changing the menus at sports venues, which collectively serve hundreds of millions of people each year, offers the greatest platform to educate consumers and the marketplace about healthy food options. And I'd love for you to expand on that. Help our listeners understand why you believe that is so. Yeah, thank you. And uh, by the way, on food donations, um, I, I'm not sure that your listeners know this, uh, but the National Hockey League um, actually mandates that all prepared, uneaten food at all National Hockey League arenas uh, be donated uh, for charity afterwards. That is I actually love that. a that's a league mandate, and um, your listeners may not know, but mandates from the commissioner's office are very, very rare. Um, they're usually focused on security issues um, or you know some kind of public service announcement related to safety. Um, so for the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman, to say food donations, reducing food waste is, a, is literally a, a priority deserving of a commissioner mandate, that's really an extraordinary initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not to diminish the food donations that are taking place throughout all of professional and collegiate sports, uh, but it is really a, a, an extraordinary example, and that's one of the reasons why the commissioner of the National Hockey League um, two years ago won the Green Sports Alliance Environmental Leadership Award. Uh, the NHL, along with Major League Baseball, the NBA, um, and other leagues are doing great things. So I just wanted to let folks know about the NHL program on food donation. Well, and so, as a uh, hockey mom, I have to say, that thrills me to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that, yeah. that is fantastic. Well, as a hockey mom, you have a lot to be proud of. The NHL has one of the most uh, robust environmental programs in the sports world globally. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. And uh, if folks go to NHL.com slash green, NHL.com slash green, they can learn specifically about the National Hockey League's program. But if they go to MLB green and the NBA green, um, they can learn, you know, and the U.S. Tennis Association, USTA, they all have uh, information now about environmental responsibility on their websites. To your question about using the market platform of sports, uh, the cultural and market platform of sports uh, as opposed to or in addition to efforts to um, uh, regulate uh, the marketplace. Look, um, you know, the single most important thing we could do to advance sustainability on earth, the single most important thing we could do is change cultural attitudes and expectations about how we relate to the planet. 
We have to change cultural assumptions, cultural attitudes about how we relate to the organism that gives us air to breathe, the organism that gives us water to drink. You know, we're treating the atmosphere like a sewer. Uh, we're wasting water. We're producing a lot of waste. And that's because we have certain cultural biases, certain cultural assumptions about how we relate to the earth. The question is, how do you change, how do you instigate a cultural shift? To your question, can government do it? Are we going to get environmental laws in place quick enough to resolve our urgent ecological issues? You know, let me tell you that, uh, again, the Green Sports Alliance is not a non-political organization. We just focus on identifying better practices. Uh, but just, you know, and uh, so I'm just going to report facts to you. But over the last four years, um, literally hundreds of bills have been uh, uh, voted on in Congress to roll back environmental protections to make it harder for the EPA to do its work. So really, you know, we're not going to see government lead the way in a cultural shift on the environment. Is government critical for environmental protection? Essential. Are strong laws important? They are essential and fundamental. Um, but there's so much work to do that we really can't just rely on the pace of government to do it. Uh, by contrast, uh, the food industry, the sports industry, um, is serving food and using products and generating and recycling waste every day. Mm-hmm. So if we could get the, the, you know, the, the market, the global sports industry is a $1.3 trillion market. Wow. Every industry meets on a professional baseball field. Every industry meets at an NFL game or at a major league soccer game or a hockey game. The food industry, the energy industry, the water industry, the chemical industry, the transportation industry, the textile industry, the plastics industry, all of these industries are suppliers to the sports industry or they're sponsors to the sports industry. Very often they're both. So mm-hmm. if, this, if you get the commissioner of baseball saying climate change matters and we want to start using more renewable energy, if you get the commissioner of the National Hockey League saying, I want more organic and local and vegetarian food at my games, if you get you know, the head of you know, the, you know, the commissioner of the National Football League saying you know, the Super Bowl is going to you know, pay attention to its carbon profile, the marketplace notices. And ultimately, when we pass a law, what we're trying to do is get businesses to do things in a certain way. What the Green Sports Alliance approach is and said, okay, well, instead of us going, you know, to government and saying, you know, please pass this law to require companies to do this, we're going directly to the companies. And we're going to them in collaboration with the platform of the sports industry. And because the sports industry is known to be non-political, you know, the person sitting next to you at a baseball game or a hockey game or a basketball game, you don't know if they're a Republican or a Democrat. You don't think about that. You know, you're fans. Mm -hmm. Um, So you pay attention, you know, to your team. Uh, but if you see recycling bins, if you see solar panels, uh, if you learn about uh, recycled paper in the game day programs or in the concession napkins, uh, if you see uh, the food waste being composted or donated, you suddenly say, hmm, okay, this is not really a political thing. This is just a good civilized way of doing business. So, you know, the sports industry has many examples of changing culture. Think about Billie Jean King on mm-hmm. gender equality. Uh, think about Jesse Owens. Uh, uh, in the 1936 Olympus, you know, challenging the Aryan myth. Of course, think of Jackie Robinson uh, integrating um, uh, uh, sports. Uh, 
think about uh, 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 Muhammad Ali on civil rights. Uh, think about Magic Johnson uh, destigmatizing de- uh, people's perceptions about HIV. Um, there's so many examples of how sports has instigated cultural shifts in people's thinking. Uh, so now what we're trying to do is say, okay, sports, uh, you know, why, you know, why does the NFL dedicate, you know, an entire month to breast cancer awareness? Because it knows it's going to have a cultural and market influence. Uh, why are, is there tens of billions of dollars billions with a B spent every year on advertising at sporting events because big business recognizes that the sports market uh, can change the culture of the marketplace. Absolutely. Uh, so now we need to use that market and cultural influence of sports on behalf of environmental stewardship. It's very, very powerful. In fact, I've been doing environmental research and advocacy for over 30 years, uh, actually over 35 years, uh, and I have never uh, worked in a sector that I feel is more influential in influencing the public and influencing the marketplace than the sports industry. Well, and the thing is, it's multi-generational, it's cross-cultural, it's ubiquitous in every community. And so um, I think you're right. I mean, there are very few other institutions that can can touch that broad spectrum of individuals. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some specific teams and some of their specific stories that are really inspirational. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Today we're talking about the Green Sports Alliance and specifically, though they have many, many different aspects of helping teams go green, so to speak. Today we're talking specifically about the food systems at 20 professional venues in North America that are really doing some amazing things, both with the the food that they serve, but also the systems, the waste systems and what have you behind the scenes. Uh, Gabriel Krinza joins us. Gabriel, here's a question for you. Um, in the recently released report that you helped to write, Champions of Game Day Food, there was a case study about the Tampa Bay Lightning, a hockey team that came this close. My fingers are really close together to winning the cup this year. Um, love them. Um, they converted an underutilized area in the player parking lot, and they built an on-site outdoor hydroponic garden in 2014, and they grow tomatoes and squash and arugula and turnips and a bunch of other you know vegetables and fruits. What motivated them to do this, and what are they doing with all that food? That's a great question, Robin, and uh, you know it's it is a really exciting movement that we're we're starting to see across all the major leagues. Is that um, teams are starting to uh, build their own gardens on site, and the the motivation for doing so is is one that uh, these concessionaires have uh, tremendously uh, passionate chefs and food food service professionals that um, recognize the value in. Uh, bringing food in-house and growing it and having that relationship, uh, and that relationship transcends uh, to the fans, and fans then see uh, food being grown on site and the, um, you know, the kind of the, the value that, that these, these chefs are um, holding for the food that's being served. Um, they, they have 125 hydroponic towers in just an acre space at Amelie Arena, um, and and Daryl Benj, the the arena general manager, who really has been a uh, an environmental champion um, since much of this movement within sports began, um, was did did have a lot to do with the development of the garden. Um, they are taking all the produce that's being that's being grown in house, and, and down in Florida, they have a, a much longer growing season than other places, um, but they're now serving it. Uh, in the suites level, um, a lot of the VIP, and and they're also bringing some of the produce into dishes um, at, at the concessions level as well. Uh, and it really is exciting. It's it's exciting to see that that fans um, are are being able to connect the dots. And we mm-hmm. have we also see teams like, uh, for example, uh, the New York Mets at City Field. They have window boxes where the chefs are growing. Uh, peppers and, and tomatoes and herbs that are being used in, uh, in dishes th- throughout the venue. Um, and then you also have um, teams that connect with local schools um, to develop gardens on their properties, and, and teams are investing the time and energy um, to educate um, kind of uh, the, the younger generations on the value of food and then also taking that food and um, being able to serve it in stadium. There's a, a wonderful story where the Dallas Cowboys have 
um, built a relationship with uh, Paul Quinn College uh, in South Dallas, and Paul Quinn actually converted their uh, their their football field, um, their their football team. Uh, the program ended, and they actually literally took the football field. Uh, they tilled they tilled the soil, and they're now growing tens of thousands of pounds of vegetables um, for the school. And then the school is using much of uh, much of that produce uh, and selling it to the Dallas Cowboys, which in turn they're using in their concessions as well. I think the motivation for uh, for teams taking this on is is one to communicate the the value to the fans uh, that they that they really um, kind of respect the process of food production and and almost the um, you know that unique relationship of really bringing uh, the farm to to the plate so to speak right there on site uh, and then also uh, being able to control what's coming in in and out of of the stadium there's a lot mm-hmm. of conversation strategy going on um, with how you know how to strategize around food procurement and if you're talking local, it doesn't really get more local than a you know a one-acre <laughs> hydroponic garden uh, you know right next to the kitchen where the right. day lightning are are making their food. Absolutely. Well, and I also read in the report that some of that food is being served to the players, and players did really well this season. So uh, <laughs> maybe maybe they can take a little credit in the kitchen for that. So, Alan, I want to talk about food packaging because as anybody who's been to a stadium knows, there's a lot of waste that can come out of a stadium. And I know that you guys are moving towards a more zero-waste mentality with the teams that you're working with. Last night, I was down in L.A., and I saw... Uh, B Green Packaging received the highest award possible from the California Product Stewardship Council. They're a, a company that creates food service, uh, compostable plates and bowls and sushi trays and what have you. And they're the only company uh, in that industry that has a cradle-to-cradle certification, and they're also non-GMO verified. You don't see that anywhere. And they received this award, and they're they're doing things right. They actually have insourced green job manufacturing operations from China to the U.S. and are selling their compostable plates and serviceware at a lower price than they were able to do when they were operating in China. It's a very exciting story. Now, the report is also has some information about the serviceware and the packaging um, that the venues are wrestling with. And I know that, you know, it's sometimes in certain locations, it's so difficult to figure out are you going to recycle these packages because, you know, sometimes paper recyclers won't take food stained, you know, recyclable, quote unquote, recyclable dishware. And with compostable plates and dishes, you know, if you don't have composting operations, then that's a difficulty. Talk to us about how you help sports venues navigate through this waste management conundrum. Yeah, there's a lot of information um, on the Green Sports Alliance website about sports teams uh, developing recycling and composting programs. Uh, if folks go to the Green Sports Alliance website uh, and they could click on our Champions of Game Day Food, they'll learn a lot about food composting and also our Game Changer reports have a lot about recycling. Uh, you know, in the United States, uh, we throw out a hundred billion, with a B, 100 billion pounds uh, of food waste every year. Uh, and according to the EPA, uh, not even 5% of it is recovered for composting. Um, so that's a, a huge, huge waste. 
um, especially when you recognize that uh, food in landfills is a major cause of methane gas emissions. Food mm-hmm. decomposing in landfills causes methane gas emissions, and uh, methane is a potent greenhouse gas that uh, is anywhere between 20 times or 60 times more potent than carbon emissions, depending on the time frame that you're using. So getting food waste uh, out of landfills is critically important. At the same time, sports venues throw out hundreds of thousands of pounds of food waste every year, and they pay, they are paying to take that food waste to a landfill where it's an ecological problem. So increasingly, sports teams are saying, is there a way for us to make lemon out of lemonade, lemonade out of lemons? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a way for us to uh, use this food waste in an in a, in a ecologically better way at a lower cost? And the answer is yes, that by uh, developing a composting program, they could divert their food waste away from landfills uh, and towards composting. The biggest barrier in the way of sports venues doing that, and the biggest barrier in the way of sports venues taking food waste towards composting has been the plastic non-compostable packaging, and in some cases, the laminated paper products uh, in food packaging that are non-compostable. So the sports industry, with uh, instigation through the Green Sports Alliance, uh, and us, you know, actually helping to broker dialogue between the sports industry and the supply chain about ecological issues, has started to ask for compostable serviceware, compostable uh, food packaging. The Yankees shifted uh, to co- compostable packaging, uh, and uh, as a result, their uh, diversion rate went from 40%, their recycling rate went from 40% to over 90%. The Philadelphia, wow. Fly- yeah, the Philadelphia Flyers at the Wells Fargo Arena shifted to 100% compostable packaging, and their uh, diversion rate diversion rate um, has also skyrocketed. In fact, uh, almost 100% of all the serviceware at um, the Wells Fargo Arena where the Flyers play in Philly uh, is compostable. Same thing for the Seattle Mariners. It's going, you know, and there's many, many teams throughout the country that we could point to. Um, It's urgent that we divert, and, and companies like BASF and NatureWorks and Stock Market and Kimberly Clark, major Giant companies are starting to shift their packaging uh, op- uh, offerings, the, uh, the kinds of products they're offering in food packaging, to become more and more compostable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, it reduces the greenhouse gas profile. Look, you know, climate change is not good for sports. Global climate disruption is bad for sports. Hurricane Katrina was bad for sports in Louisiana. Hurricane Sandy was bad for sports in New York. Uh, you know, droughts in California and droughts throughout the Southwest United States is not good for sports. Uh, the folks who run sports teams and sports leagues, they're not stupid. They, you know, they're very smart people. Uh, you know, they're running billion-dollar organizations. Uh, they understand, you know, risks to their businesses. Uh, they're also very socially responsible. Um, they're very visible. Uh, you know, they're in a fishbowl. You know, there's on uh, every city in the country, every newspaper in every city in the country, every day has a sports section. Um, you know, that's that's telling. Uh, so it is. they're visible. 
and they, they want to be responsible, and they don't want to be caught with environmental liabilities. So if they could reduce their, you know, they're, they're increasingly being asked, what are you doing about your carbon emissions? Composting food waste, using compostable packaging is a very good answer for them. And frankly, it's a big moneymaker for companies. BASF is making a big investment into compostable uh, food packaging. NatureWorks, Stock Market, as I mentioned, Kimberly Clark, other companies, as many others, Eco Products, um, too many to mention now, are you know working towards compostable packaging, and mm-hmm. it's easier at the operational level for a stadium to say, okay, put your bottles and cans in one bin, and everything else in the second bin. Absolutely, uh, everything else could be composted, so you don't even have to worry about the soiled paper products because those could be composted. You don't have to worry about the plastics because now it's bio, you know, it's bioplastics, compostable plastics. And when I say compostable, I don't mean the biodegradable, which is almost a meaningless term. Yeah. I'm talking about I'm talking about compostable, certified by the American Society of Testing Materials, you know, ASTM mm-hmm. 6400 certified compostable uh, packaging. So it it makes the logistics of composting a lot easier when the food service where is compostable as opposed to being saturated with non-recyclable plastics. Absolutely. Remember, you know, 92% of all plastics thrown out in this country are not recovered for recycling. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a lot of that is in the food service area. Uh, and that's changing. Well, and I think we're starting to see, you know, signals that that's changing in another big institution that serves millions of meals a month, and that's in the school food industry. I just did a show recently with the Urban School Food Alliance, and they're shifting to from styrofoam to compostable plates and same same kind of thing. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we've got much more with the Green Sports Alliance. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Sylvanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Thanks for joining us, everyone. If you want to check out more about the Green Sports Alliance, don't close this tab in your web browser. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com, but open a new tab in your web browser and go to greensportsalliance.org. And there's just so much cool information about the various ways that they're helping professional sports teams across many different leagues, 20 different leagues uh, worldwide, go green in their venues and and in their operations. Gabriel, one of the case studies in the report, uh, Champions of Game Day Food that just came out, um, one of these case studies that I just love is the one about how the St. Louis Rams Stadium sources the meat for their hot dogs and their hamburgers. I'd love for you to share that story with our listeners. Yes, of course. It'd be my pleasure, Jill. And, and I would like to share with the folks listening that they can also follow us on um, at, at Sports Alliance on Twitter. And uh, there's uh, c- continual um, messages around uh, news stories coming out, especially on food, as we, uh, we continue to draw attention to the release of this report. The, the St. Louis Rams have a really unique relationship with their, with their producer of, uh, of beef for the stadium. Uh, it started about 12 years ago. They, brought, they, uh, they drafted a linebacker by the name of Will Will Witherspoon, and uh, Will served his tenure uh, with the Rams, um, is a, uh, was a, a tremendous player um, in, the, in the Super Bowl in which they won in the uh, late 90s and um, recently retired just this past year. Will is a, uh, is a Missouri native, and um, during his time with the Rams, he, he bought a a piece of property in, in southern Missouri. Missouri is a um, kind of historical uh, ranching state. Uh, Will purchased Shiregate Farms with the intention of wanting to bring his children uh, closer to uh, food production. And um, he started with just a, a very small herd of, uh, of cattle, and um, it, was, it was more an, an educational tool. And as he saw um, kind of in different stories come about around uh, the overuse of antibiotics in, in livestock production and uh, really animal rights coming into the forefront of, of food production, animal production for food, um, he started to see that there was a real opportunity for change and that uh, it wasn't just about um, maybe educating his kids but really educating as many, as many children as, as he possibly could. Um, there was a tie-in to being a professional athlete for him in such that there's a lot of focus around uh, what athletes are, are putting in their bodies and they're held responsible for that. And he, he saw the connection to uh, what goes into food and, if, uh, and there should be a, a greater sense of responsibility there. So um, just last year, uh, Shiregate Farms, which now produces, I think, close to 100 head of cattle, um, is serving... Um, serving their beef in the form of uh, hamburgers and, and hot dogs within um, the Edward, Edward Jones uh, Dome Stadium in St. Louis, 
Um, they are serving their hot dogs and hamburgers, and, and Will has been a pioneer uh, in the better beef movement. Um, his, his beef is animal welfare approved, and it's in the processes of going through USDA organic. Um, and you know, it's, it's really exciting to see the, uh, the Rams not only embrace this, um, you know, this, higher, this, this highest quality beef that's, that's available in Missouri, but there's also a, um, you know, it's, it's sending a message to other teams and other mm-hmm. leagues that uh, this is something that's not only uh, you know, feasible, but is actually happening now and and, and now's the time to, to begin building relationships like this. I love it. I absolutely love it. Alan, you know, I know that a lot of sports venues are trying to switch to antibiotic-free meat. And I'm wondering, is it difficult for them to find adequate supply? Um, you know, are, are they able to get that much meat that's antibiotic-free into their venues? What are some of the challenges there? Well, actually, I'm going to ask Gabriel to chime in on this question because he is uh, the Green Sports Alliance's meat expert. Um, <laughs> and uh, but the market is shifting. You know, uh, about two years ago, Gabriel and I were at a meeting with the major concessionaires, and we asked how long will it be before we could get antibiotic meats out of chicken um, mm-hmm. for sports venues? And the answer across the board was 15 years. Oh. Um, yeah, and that was just two years ago. Uh, well, guess what? Um, things are changing a lot more rapidly. Uh, I think that uh, the food, uh, industrial food supply system is getting messages that folks are, really, you know, recently Purdue has changed uh, uh, and, and said they're going to get out of antibiotic meats, McDonald's, Chipotle, uh, uh, Panera. Uh, you're starting to see major chains who are asking for this because... Frankly, you know, the Center for Disease Control, the FDA, uh, pediatric societies, uh, farm worker associations are all documenting and talking about uh, the risks of uh, daily dosing of antibiotics in livestock, which is uh, making farm workers sick, which is breeding super bacteria uh, that are resistant to, ant- uh, to antibiotics. Uh, these are, you know, major public health threats. And uh, again, these are, these are not political positions. This is science. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and these, you know, firms, you know, have a lot at stake and they don't want, you know, you know, if they get people sick uh, or, you know, uh, you know, or don't respond to consumer demand, um, you know, they, they, they've got a big problem. Uh, so we're starting to see, you know, if you go to uh, Levi Stadium in San Francisco, uh, you know, antibiotic-free hot dog. You go to, you know, the, uh, the motor arena uh, uh, where the trailblazers play, you see, you know, antibiotic meats. Safeco Field, antibiotic meats. Uh, throughout the country, we're starting to see more about it. But Gabriel is more of an expert specifically on the antibiotic-free market. What do you think, Gabriel? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a very hot topic right now, and uh, I remember quite... Uh, kind of quite clearly the conversation that Alan spoke about with concessionaires in terms of that, that 15-year time frame. And, and just, just in the last two years, uh, this conversation has elevated to a national level and is at the forefront of many people's conversations when, in, when talking about specifically protein meat production. Um, you know, we also see teams that are making commitments to serving 100% antibiotic-free meat, and what that does is uh, it's just that theory of change where 
if you see the if you see the word, you hear the term enough times, you begin to uh, explore what it what it truly means. And if mm-hmm. a, if a team, so uh, Alan mentioned uh, Safeco Field where the Mariners play, uh, they are committed to serving never ever certified uh, poultry, pork and beef uh, in their stadium, and it's 100% antibiotic free. Everything that's served in the stadium, uh, and that—that that is fantastic. That is really fantastic, and I think you know fans are going to respond to that because people are starting to become aware of the fact that hey, we're we're minimizing the use of human antibiotics um, until it's absolutely necessary in order to preserve them for treatment, and we've got to be doing the same thing um, in our food supply. Otherwise, we're going to run out of antibiotics to treat our illnesses. I just love what you guys are doing, and I'm so glad that you came on Go Green radio i want to thank you and i want to thank our listeners for tuning in we're going to be here same time same place with more go green radio next week folks so until then have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.